let's look first let's start today's reading from job chapter 38 let's take the reading from verse 4 where was thou this is god talking to job when i laid the foundations of the earth declare if thou hast understanding who had laid the measures thereof if thou knowest or who had stretched the line upon it whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened or who laid the corner thereof take note of verse 7 so where it says when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy in uh, i think it was isaiah chapter 14 that referred to lucifer as a star of the morning but he was not the only star of the morning because here we see in plurality when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god take note again of sons of god so both terms morning stars and sons of god are referring to angels and we will take a closer look at that um, and then it says uh, you know when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb when i made the cloud the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said hitherto shalt thou come but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day's bring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment, and from the wicked their light is withholding, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of death? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? Declare, if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? So light has a dwelling. And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? So there is a place of darkness. So darkness is actually a substance like like light um, darkness is not the absence of light the bible is making us understand here in in the book of job you know chapter 38 and verse 19 that there is a place of darkness okay now the, you know in, in genesis chapter 1 the bible says god separated light from darkness you know it refers to them like two independent uh, things so Let's continue. Um, that thou should, verse 20, that thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the path to the house thereof. Knowest thou it because thou was then born, or because the number of thy days is great? Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow, or hast thou seen the treasures of the hill? So God has a bank for snow and hill. Okay, and see verse 23, which I have reserved against the time of trouble against the day of battle and war i took us here because it is one other scripture that talks about the creation and god is trying to highlight job's ignorance about his works and the things that he has accomplished in establishing the earth 
Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the word it's talking about here is the person of Jesus Christ. We know from uh, 1 John chapter 5, uh, I think verse 16 and 17, where it says that there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So Jesus, before he appeared in the flesh as Jesus Christ, existed uh, from eternity as the Word of God. And we'll take a look at uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says that, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ. Okay, if you, if you step back a verse to verse 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Talking about Jesus Christ, okay? So it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him so every being in the universe including mr lucy uh, talking about lucifer was created by jesus and for jesus it is important we know this because uh the the idea that lucifer fell because he got jealous of jesus or he got jealous of no it's it's completely wrong Jesus and Lucifer have never been colleagues. They have never been on the same level. They have never been rivals. Okay? Because Jesus created Lucifer and created all the fallen angels and created all the beings that eventually became demons. Jesus created everything. Let's look at another scripture. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Okay? Remember John chapter 1, uh, verse 3 says, Without him there was not anything made that was made. Okay, so this gives us an idea that, you know, Jesus and, and Lucifer are not, have never been and will never be on the same level. Lucifer works for Jesus, technically, or he, he used to work for Jesus. And even now, you know, the Bible says, For thou hast created all things, all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So the truth is, the fact that Satan or demons or any form of devil still exists is because God allows them to exist. So the thought that um, Satan is the opposite of God or is a rival to God, no, we need to get these things in context he is not even qualified to be a rival he is just a rogue agent that god has decided not to annihilate for his own reasons in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the waters and like i said question number one is if heaven and earth were created together if earth was really created formless and void, then heaven also should have been formless and void because they were created together. So this tells us that there was something else that went on 
on the earth that did not happen in heaven and that's why heaven did not have the issues that the earth had do you know that there is no record of god creating water there's no record of god creating rocks there is no record of god creating mountains think about that for a moment there is no record of god creating water there's no record of god creating uh, rocks there is no record of god creating mountains and why is that it's because genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is a summary of a perfect universe that was created by god genesis chapter 1 from verse 2 is actually explaining a rebuilding process of something that was destroyed okay and that's where the water came from okay the water in genesis chapter 1 verse 2 came from the the preceding flood so um the earth had existed before verse 2 it had existed in an otherwise perfect shape and then it was eventually destroyed and we see that the formless and void there tohu and bohu means it was empty it was a waste it was desolate you know and all of that and we have seen from scriptures yesterday that the earth was not created in that form it came into that form somebody made it that way and it was because of the wickedness of man that god had to destroy the earth with a flood that is why it became empty and void and and that's where the water came from and then we were going to take a look at some verses very soon and you will see uh let, let's take a look at genesis chapter 1 verse from verse 6 to 9 let's examine something genesis chapter 1 from verse 6 to 9 it says and god said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters so basically god was saying uh, there will be the, the water that will go down and then the water that will go up okay um and god made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so and god called the firmament heaven and the beginning and the morning were the second day now see verse 9 and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Now God did not take note, take note. God did not say, I am creating dry land. There's a specific word used there. And he said, let the dry land appear. Genesis chapter 1 verse 9. Let the dry land appear. Appear from where? It means that the dry land was already there. It just wasn't visible because it had been submerged under water. Okay. It says, and it was so. And look at verse 10. And God called the dry land earth. But I thought Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And now it's telling us that God called the dry land earth. So the earth had existed, but was submerged under water. And so everything from Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, is actually God recreating what had been destroyed. It, it's a restoration process. And if we look further, uh, let's take a look at something. In Genesis chapter 2 from verse 7, it says, And God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul now he formed man out of dust this is to show that the whole earth was not vegetation 
okay and it says and the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had formed so god did not form man in eden god planted man in eden. Uh, he planted a garden he formed man and then he put man in the garden now why was this now we all know that dust is symbolic of waste and death so even in the restoration agenda of god he did not restore everything automatically he created a he planted a garden he put man in the garden and he told the man to protect the garden and to keep it okay and then he asked man to replenish the earth so basically what god was doing is okay this earth has been destroyed it's currently in a very bad shape this garden is your template i expect you to reproduce this garden all over the earth that was man's assignment okay so when you see be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it have dominion it was actually because god was telling man you have work to do you are going to have to replenish this earth that has been destroyed i have given you enough okay for you to see and for you to know what to do but you are going to have to do the work of replenishing the earth genesis chapter 3 verse 1 and let's let's read it it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, uh, I want us to understand something. The serpent was a literal animal that allowed itself to be used by Satan. Okay, and that is why God cursed the serpent and said, you will crawl on your belly and so every snake that we see in our world today is an offspring of that serpent and you know like i explained in the previous series somebody might say uh, but all the snakes are different uh, or there are so many different snakes in the world um, surely god cursed one so why does it affect every other serpent but the thing is when in the work when, when god did his work of creation he created single species and every other species came out of those single species just like Adam and Eve and you know Noah and his sons and every other race of mankind now came out of Noah and his sons and you see we are all different um, uh, if, if, if even though we are all Nigerians if somebody from the south sees somebody fr from the north they will know you are from the north but we are all Nigerians and even though we are all Africans if you see a Ghanaian or a Cameroonian you know that okay this is not a Nigerian or you see a South African you know you know even among the Asians the Chinese look different from the Japanese the Indians look different from the Pakistanis there's, there's a lot of different people looking differently all over the world over 7 billion people all looking differently and all of this came from just one family okay so the same thing has happened for animals all of the species did not did not enter the earth it's part of god's work of reproduction and replenishing the earth and so different species are coming out different species keep coming out so at the time of this there was only one serpent and because of the curse every offspring and every other species 
of the serpent inherited that curse just like every other species of man inherited the sin and the curse of adam by default it doesn't matter if you are black if you're white if you're hispanic if you are indian it doesn't matter you are an offspring of adam and so automatically the sin of adam you know you inherit it so let's continue verse 2 says and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees you, you know like i said yesterday in verse one notice what the serpent said yea had god said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden so somehow the serpent was aware that there was a tree there that ought not to be eaten okay so it's either he knew that from experience that's talking of satan speaking through the serpent now it's either he knew that from experience or maybe he was there when god was giving giving man the instruction okay but let's continue verse 3 but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god had said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die now i have heard many people say why did god plant a tree if he didn't want man to eat it or it was like god was setting man up or laying a trap or you know things like that you know god is omnipotent he should have known that man was going to touch it well the first thing i want us to understand about god is yes he's omnipotent yes he's omnipresent yes he's omniscient but omnipotence means he can do everything right Although he can, he doesn't. Now, simply because he can do something doesn't mean he should do it, okay? So God is omnipotent and he can snap his finger and Lucifer will be annihilated, but he doesn't do it, you know, because God is a God of principles. He creates laws and he abides by those laws. So although God is omnipotent, he doesn't do everything. Although God is omniscient, he decides what to know and what not to know. Remember, the Bible says that your iniquities I will remember no more. But he's omniscient, but he can decide to forget. And there's something interesting uh, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 9. It says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? But God is, omni God is omniscient. Why is he asking Adam, Where are you? And I, I know some persons have tried to preach all manner of sermons from this and try to make it look like, uh, you know. But the truth is God was asking a question because the Bible says the heavens is God's throne. The earth has he given to the sons of men. When it comes to the affairs of the earth, God limits his abilities. He limits his knowledge and he limits his influence because he has given it to man. And you see, God is asking a question. This is not a rhetorical question. This is an actual question that God is expecting to get an answer. And he said, where are you? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree wherefore I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? God is not being sarcastic here. In, in the book of Job, where he was asking Job those questions, he was being sarcastic. When he was telling Job, do you know these things? Have you lived that long? Or is it because you are very old you think you know these things? You know? He was being sarcastic. But here, God is actually asking. He asked three questions. He said, where are you? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the fruit I said you should not eat? I mean, he could have come and said, Adam, you can't hide from my presence. Come out. You, you listened to the snake and you're eating the fruit. That's why you are doing like it. He could have said that, but no, he didn't. 
or except you think he was trying to humiliate Adam and Eve. But no, he wasn't. He was asking a question because he gave man dominion. Like every good leader, they delegate authority. And even though they may supervise every now and then, every good leader delegates authority and they leave you to get the job done. They don't come and, you know, they are constantly investigating to see if you are doing it well. They believe if anything goes wrong, you can report to them. But every good leader delegates authority and leaves you to get the job done. And that's what God did. He delegated the authority of the earth to Adam and he left Adam so sincerely. God was not aware of what was happening on the earth. Not because he did not have the capacity to be aware, but because he withheld the capacity to be aware. Okay, so let's go back to verse 4 of Genesis chapter 3. We are talking now about the fall, okay? And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Did the serpent lie altogether? No, he didn't. There were some things he said that were true. What we need to realize is, if you want to poison a dog, you don't feed the dog a bowl of poison. You put a lot of legitimate food and then you put a little poison. When Satan wants to deceive people, he's going to say a lot of things that add up and then he's going to just put the lie in there somewhere. You know, it's just the active ingredient. He's just going to put it in there somewhere. Now look at the things the serpent said. You shall not surely die. I would like to draw our attention to something. I realized that the words for surely and die were actually the same thing. So the word surely die actually means die, die, like double negative. So in Genesis chapter 2 verses 16 and 17... It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God said, You will die, die. Basically, that's what he said. And Satan is saying, You will not die, die. Why the double negative? It's just like the scripture that says, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. It's actually translated in the Hebrew, Shalom, Shalom. Basically, he's saying, I will keep him in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on me. So that's a double positive. In this case, we are seeing a double negative. So there were two kinds of deaths that happened when man fell. The first one was spiritual death. The second one was physical death. Now, the spiritual death happened instantly. But the physical death, you know, it took a while for it to manifest. Adam still lived for 930 years. The serpent said, you will not surely die. Okay, so he lied here. He said, for God know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Now, this is true. And ye shall be as gods. Unfortunately, they were already as gods they just didn't realize it knowing good and evil now the question is was god against man knowing good and evil no 
God was going to teach man about good and evil. Jesus knew about good and evil, but Jesus did not have to experience good and evil. The word for knowing good and evil here is actually experiential knowledge. God wanted man to know the difference between good and evil by teaching man. But Satan is saying here that, you know, you have to experience it to know it. And this was the deception. And so, okay, the Bible says in verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now take note of the next phrase. And gave also unto her husband with her. Contrary to what Hollywood tries to make us think that uh, Adam went to work and then Eve ate the fruit. She was alone with the serpent. Then when he came back, he didn't know what was happening. And then the woman just gave him. He didn't ask questions and, and he ate. So um, the woman was the bad person. Uh, uh, it wasn't Adam's fault. It was Eve's fault. No, no, no. That's all nonsense. Man fell. The, the Bible didn't call it the fall of the woman. It calls it the fall of man. Yes, Adam was with her. Adam was with Eve when it happened. Now, I'm going to be uh, mentioning some points, and I want us to write it down if we are writing. The first thing that happened in the fall was that Adam sold out to Satan. So Satan was the god of this world. He wanted it back. He made Adam sin. And so basically he robbed man of his dominion of the earth. So just uh, as Adam was made the God of this world, Satan received it. And so when Satan told Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 that, you know, bow down to me, all of these kingdoms I will give to you because it has been given to me. And notice Jesus did not argue with Satan that, no, it doesn't belong to you. No, no, no. You can't say that. You can't deceive me. It doesn't belong to you. Jesus did not argue with Satan because really it belonged to Satan. And like I said in the previous series, Satan is going to offer that deal to the Antichrist. Um, he is going to offer that deal of the world's kingdom to the Antichrist. Um, you know, the Bible even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that whom the God of this world has blinded their, you know, their minds. So Satan is legitimately the God of this world. And he's going to remain the God of this world until his lease runs out. His lease is only going to run out when Christ returns to the earth. So basically, number one, Adam committed high treason. He sold out something that he was given to be a custodian of. He sold it out to Satan. So Satan's intention was not just making man sin and disappointing God. It was also to rob man. So every time the devil makes us sin, what he's actually doing is not just getting us to disappoint God. He's, he's robbing us. C.L. Osborne said, every time we sin, something in us dies. You know, you may not be able to see it with your physical eyes. You may not be able to feel it. But the truth is, every time we are tempted to sin, what happens is, apart from disappointing God, the devil also robs us of something. Adam had a choice after he saw Eve had eaten of the fruit. He had a choice. Adam was the one given the mandate, okay? He could have restored Eve, saying that Eve had sinned. Did you notice both of them did not realize they were naked until Adam ate the fruit? When Eve ate it, nothing happened. Because Adam held the key, you see? So when Eve alone ate it, nothing happened. 
And Adam could have restored Eve. He had the authority and he had the capacity to do so. Like he could have restored the serpent. Like he could have restored any other thing that went wrong. Okay. Now, it's important we know that the first responsibility God gave Adam was to serve and to protect. When he said to tend the garden and to keep it. When I checked the, the Hebrew word, to tend meant to serve. And then to keep meant to protect. And you know, the police the police uh, slogan is to serve and to protect. So basically, God made Adam a policeman over the garden. He was supposed to be watching it. And Adam's first failure was actually not eating the fruit. Adam's first failure was his negligence to the point that the serpent was possessed by the devil and Adam did not realize it. And the serpent was having a conversation with Eve and Adam said nothing about it. So Adam was aware of everything that was happening, but he wanted it also, or he didn't mind if it happened because you were given an assignment to serve and to protect, to tend and to keep. The enemy comes in, first of all, possesses a serpent that was under your care. You'd said and did nothing about it. And then he goes on to talk to your wife and convince her to eat a fruit and you were just lying down there watching. You know, I know it feels inconceivable, but if Adam could be negligent about the serpent being possessed, he could also have been negligent about Eve and what she was doing with, with the serpent. Now you can look, look you can look this scripture through in several other translations and it even puts it clearly. I think the New Living Translation says, and she gave it also to Adam, her husband, who was with her. So Adam was with Eve. Let's read the scripture very quickly. Um, yes, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. It says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Both Adam and Eve sinned. But you see, the Bible makes us to understand in the book of Romans that death reigned through Adam. Now this is why Jesus had to come by a virgin because the woman did not have in her the ability to transmit the sin nature the sin nature is transmitted by the man what is called the, the sperm or the seed it's called the seed okay and that's why the bible says uh, in in the book of i think first peter that we've been born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of god so now the man transmits the sin nature through his seed and even genetics and some of these uh, trends uh, uh, generational trends are being transmitted through the man you can see why there was no man involved in in the coming of jesus christ because he had to be a pure sacrifice he had to be a pure sacrifice if he had a man father automatically the sin of adam would have entered into him automatically even if he had not committed any sin the sin of adam would have entered into him so jesus had to be pure but he could still come through a woman because the woman did not transmit the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam is transmitted through the man. And notice, we keep calling it the sin of Adam, the sin of Adam. Even though the woman transgressed, the man had the capacity to restore her. You know, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Like I said, they did not realize that they were naked until the man ate it. 
from verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did it, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did it. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew. Now, look at this. If Eve had eaten it, and her eyes were opened immediately before she gave it to her husband. She would have started, oh, there's something going on here. There's, you know, um, you know, if, 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 you, if you really love somebody and, and you've made a mistake, let's say you've invested in a business and you lost money, and a friend of yours or a family member wants to invest in the same business, what's the thing you are going to say? You are going to say, no, don't do it. It's bad business. I lost money there. Okay? Eve loved Adam. If her eyes had been opened immediately, she would have said, no, 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 no. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. Don't eat it. I don't feel all right. I feel naked. You know, things like that. But she didn't. She, she was actually not naked until Adam ate it. And verse 7 says, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Please write this down. One of the effects of the fall of man is self-consciousness. Now let's look at something else. Verse 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees in the garden. Now you can write this down. Another effect of the fall is the fact that man no longer felt comfortable in the presence of God. You know, when you see people avoiding church and avoiding God, it's mostly because there's something wrong in their lives. Remember in Luke chapter 5 verse 8, after Jesus had helped Peter catch a lot of fish, what did Peter do? The Bible says Peter fell on Jesus' knees and he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Okay, so that is the default setting of sin. It makes you want to avoid God when it is rather that is where you should be running to okay but that is how sin works okay it says and they hid themselves okay look at verse 9 and the lord god called unto adam and said unto him where art thou and he said i heard thy voice in the garden and i was afraid can you see that so fear is an offshoot it's an offspring of sin that's why the bible says fear has torment for perfected love casts out fear fear is is an is an offspring of sin okay you say i was afraid because i was naked and i hid myself and he said who told thee that thou was naked in other words who have you been talking with has thou eaten of the tree whereof i commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat and look at the man who failed to protect the serpent who failed to protect the garden who failed to protect his woman and the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree and I did eat. So Adam was blaming the woman and God in the same statement. The woman which you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? Can you see God actually asking questions? He's omniscient. Could have said, Okay, I know everything that has happened. Okay, you two get out. But he was asking, and the Lord God said unto the woman, Was it what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did it. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, <laughs> Now I don't know why God did not ask the serpent a question. <laughs> but it, it's quite interesting that he didn't ask the serpent. Maybe because the serpent already looked guilty, or 
you know god already knew the tendencies of the serpent and the lord god said unto the serpent because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all cattle and above all every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life and i will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed notice here it says between thy seed and her seed the seed of the woman women usually are not supposed to have seed but christ was the seed of the woman so this was the first prophecy about jesus christ in the bible because normally it is men that carry seed there is no such thing as a seed of a woman but here it is mentioned that the seed of a woman you know this highlights the immaculate conception of Christ and just uh, for us to understand it is important that people believe the immaculate conception of Christ for salvation it is very important it's not just important that you believe Jesus Christ came and died it is important that you believe that he was born of a virgin because if he wasn't born of a virgin if his blood wasn't pure then his sacrifice on the cross would not have been enough it would have been worthless and unto the woman he said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee so this was where the woman was demoted the man and the woman were created equals but this was where the woman was demoted it says and the desire and thy desire shall be to thy husband which means it wasn't this way before and this is why the woman didn't need to seek adam's permission to say can i talk to the serpent or you know can i can i eat of this fruit she had you know she could do whatever she wanted okay and it says but now your desire will be to your husband and he shall rule over thee and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now, um, I want us to take note of 17. Now, why did God curse the ground? Because Adam was supposed to replenish the earth like i said the garden of eden was the only cold place every everywhere else was still desolate everywhere else was still desolate um, because god was just you know restoring the earth and now god is saying i am cursing the ground okay turns and tissues shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it was thou taken for thus thou art, and thus shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now this answers the question of where the wife of Cain came from. Now we need to understand that Adam had other children that were not Cain, Abel, and Seth, but their names are not mentioned. And, you know, when the Bible talks about Cain, it says... Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. Now, there is no record of Cain getting married. It just says Cain knew his wife, just like it says that Adam knew Eve, okay? So it is possible that at the time Cain did this thing, he was already married to one of his sisters. Because we don't know if Adam gave birth to the daughters first or if they gave birth to the daughters after Cain and Abel but we do know that they had daughters that were not named in the Bible and we do know that Cain was not a young man when all of these things happened he was probably up to a hundred years old already now look at verse 22 of Genesis chapter 3 
It says, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent forth man from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he was deported from Eden and sent to the ground. The Bible says, therefore the Lord God sent him forth to, uh, from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Remember, Adam was taken from the dust. So where he was sent to wasn't cool. It was a dry place. It was a hard ground. It says, So he drove out the man, and the, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and the flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Basically, God preventing man from eating of the tree of life was an act of mercy. Because if man had gone on to eat of the tree of life after he had sinned, he would have become an immortal sinner, which would have put him in the same category with Satan, which would have made the blood of Jesus Christ unable to redeem him. Because you see, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says life for life, right? The blood of Jesus Christ can only work for people with flesh and blood. This is why even if Satan tells God today that he is sorry, um, he cannot claim the atonement of Christ. He cannot benefit from the sacrifice of Christ because the sacrifice of Christ is for the mortal man. Okay, so God sent Adam out because if Adam had become immortal, Adam would have been able to produce immortal offspring and then would have had on earth immortal sinners and then there's nothing Christ would have been able to do for them. God was trying to prevent man from becoming an immortal sinner and so he sent him out of the garden uh, so he doesn't eat of the tree of life after having eaten of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not in the garden then Satan would have told God, just like he told God concerning Job. He said, does Job serve you for nothing? You have blessed him. You have blessed his family. You have protected him. You know, anybody in their right minds would, you know, would serve you and would, you know, but touch him and see what's going to happen if he's not going to turn and curse you to your face, you know. So it, it, it's the same thing that would have happened in the Garden of Eden if God had not given man an opportunity to disobey him. Okay, God does not want people serving him because they don't have a choice. God wants people serving him because they choose to. This is important to God. This is very important to God that people serve him out of their own free will, not because he just created zombies that are serving him because uh, they couldn't serve anyone else or they couldn't be anywhere else. And that is why God put that option in the garden and said, you know, this, you can choose to disobey me if you like. But I'm telling you that there will be consequences if you disobey me, okay? Don't disobey me, but just in case you decide to disobey me, there is an option for you. Okay, so this is, um, God, God is not looking for prisoners. He's looking for sons and daughters, okay? And it simply means that as a son and daughter, you have a degree of freedom. You can walk in and you can walk out if you choose to, okay? By the way, I'd like to note at this point that the fruit was not an apple, Hollywood used an apple because they had to use the fruit, okay? The fruit is not 
or was not an apple nobody knows what the fruit is because the tree does no longer exist on earth today but the fruit was not an apple it's so bad that they've even said uh, they even call a part of the human body adam apple and stuff like that but no adam did not eat an apple sin did not just affect man it also affected other creatures that were under man's authority and it also affected man's environment and like i said uh before we always had bacteria and, and fungi and 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 all of the microorganisms and they, they've always had their purposes but they were not designed to be harmful just like we've always had mosquitoes and snakes and lions and mosquitoes were not designed to feed on human blood and to cause malaria mosquitoes were designed like every other animal to be vegetarian but because of the fall everything began to degenerate man degenerated spiritually man degenerated mentally and man also degenerated physically and that's why the age of man continues to reduce and man's physical capacity continues to reduce okay so big man is asking that did the sacrifice of jesus lift the curse placed on man like i said the the the, the consequence of the fall of man was threefold it was a degeneration spiritually um, a degeneration mentally and also a degeneration uh, physically now the sacrifice of jesus solved the spiritual problem so what the sacrifice of jesus did is man is no longer separated from god so when we become born again when we accept the sacrifice of jesus we are reconciled with god we are reunited with god we are no longer alienated from him and um, so spiritually we become alive we are no longer spiritually dead okay now as a consequence because we are spiritually alive we can tap into some spiritual realities and bring them to manifest in the physical that is the advantage of that but the truth is our bodies have not been saved so the physical degeneration uh, unfortunately our bodies are still subject to it um, we know from scripture that you know the, the Bible calls our flesh corruptible okay it's corruptible it says um, in in first Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 50 it says that corruptible shall put on incorruptible and mortality shall put on immortality and then shall the saying uh, oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory so because the last enemy that will be destroyed is death okay the last enemy that will be destroyed is death so death is not yet destroyed Okay, so the sacrifice of Jesus solved the spiritual problem. Um, it didn't stop there. It's part of the sacrifice of Jesus that will enable our bodies to be resurrected or to be renewed. Okay, but that is not going to kick in yet. So there are aspects of the price that Jesus paid that has not become our reality yet and will not become our reality yet until after the rapture. And this is why the curse on the woman about sorrow in childbirth, it's still taking effect, even though we are saved. 
women still go through pain it doesn't matter if you are born again or not with the help of god yes um you can deliver supernaturally and you won't have to go through all of that I, i've heard some amazing testimonies okay i've heard some amazing testimonies of people that didn't have to go through a lot of trouble to give birth but the reality is for most people including believers they still have to feel some pain when they give birth and this is proof that the sacrifice of Jesus did not automatically solve like I said you can press into the spirit and you can force some things to become your physical reality um, but it is not automatic okay it's just like again sickness and if you read the Bible in the book of Galatians Paul was sick you know, Paul, Paul was his, uh, he, he wasn't always very healthy. He had eye problems. He had eye issues. It's clear in the Bible that Paul was sick. Timothy also was sick. Paul told Timothy, he said, use a little wine for your belly. Don't take, you know, just ordinary water because of your frequent infirmities. And uh, I think it was Epaphroditus also who was sick. And Paul was saying that, you know, God had mercy on them that the guy survived the sickness because they all thought he was going to die. So we can see that from the early church, even the apostles that walked, you know, closest to Jesus or, you know, the, the, the foundation apostles, they weren't always healthy people. Even their bodies were still, um, were still subject to some of the natural elements. But, you know, the reality is... Our bodies are still corruptible. That's why if they put a gun to your head and they shoot it, you are going to die. But there are exceptional cases where people have been shot and they didn't die. For our health, we have to walk it. You know, when the Bible says in Philippians chapter, is it 2 verse 13? That, you know, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it, it's talking about putting setting things to work some things are not automatic you have to work it out it's like i give you a parcel of land and i give you seed it doesn't mean you are going to have a harvest you still have to work it out for you to have a harvest so yes um there are certain spiritual realities that we can bring into the physical realm if we work it out the bible says in romans chapter 8 verse 11 that if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He will also quicken our mortal bodies by the Spirit of God that dwells in us. Okay, so with you know with scriptures like this, we can we can make it our reality. We can apply higher laws that will override natural laws, but it doesn't mean the natural laws cease to exist. It's just like the law of gravity. It is always existing, okay? But planes can fly, and so they are using the law of um, aerodynamics and the law of lift, okay? The law of lift and the law of aerodynamics do not negate the law of gravity. They don't make the law of gravity to become non-existent. What they do is they override it. So we can apply certain spiritual laws that will help us override ride natural laws but the reality is our bodies are not yet saved and no matter how long you override these laws like no matter for how long a plane overrides the law of gravity eventually it's going to land if it refuses to land it will crash so no matter how long we override spiritual laws eventually 
you know we are going to have to still succumb to the natural laws of this of this mortal body the bible calls it a mortal body the bible calls it um, corruptible okay so our bodies are going to be saved by jesus christ um during the rapture both those that have been dead in christ and those of us that will be alive depending on when the rapture happens um that is when our bodies will be saved and and that is when the 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 restoration of our bodies will happen and then we will no more have to deal with the curse that came on the body okay and we see in genesis chapter 3 that god also cursed the earth the curse on the earth was lifted in genesis chapter 8 after the flood or genesis chapter 9 rather and if you, if you remember the ark of noah landed on a mountain called ararat and it's very symbolic because arar means curse ararat means reversed curse and the, the ark of noah after the flood landed on the mount of ararat and ararat means the curse is reversed and on that mountain god god would tell noah that no longer will i curse the earth okay yes that's uh, genesis chapter 8 verse 21 and the lord smelled a sweet savor on the mount of ararat now and the lord said in his heart i will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth neither will i again smite anymore every living thing as i have done okay and this is why i said there will never be a point in this life again where the earth will be desolate and then verse 22 god now said while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease and then in chapter 9 verse 1 he says and god blessed noah and his sons and said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth so you can see that you know because adam fell god cursed the earth and he said this earth is going to be dry you guys are going to suffer and after the flood god reversed the curse and then he now put the blessing back on noah and his son saying be fruitful multiply replenish the earth so um the curse on the earth was very simple instead of the earth to produce of its strength um you know people people barely got by you know it's like like a wilderness you know and um when when you plant and then you are not getting a bountiful harvest basically that was the curse on the earth um it was producing turns and tissues instead of instead of mangoes and purple martins is asking after the rapture after the corruptible puts on the incorruptible will there still be growth in the body or we maintain our form where it met us i be i believe that everybody will grow um up to the the size of about a 30 year old man which was what adam you know looked like and then they will stop growing so basically everybody will grow to adulthood and then they will stop growing people won't get old but you know just like adam was adam was not supposed to get old adam was created an adult and he was supposed to be that way you know for the rest of his life he wasn't supposed to get old so all of us are going to get so you might ask what of people that are already old well the truth is they will look old and young you will know that they were old but they are going to be young they are going to have you know young looks and basically everybody is going to be around age 30 35 the look of a of a, of a middle-aged man that is what everybody is going to look like you know like jesus christ like jesus christ is now 
good that's how everybody's going to be you know jesus christ once he got to heaven he didn't get older he remained the way <laughs> the way he was before he got to heaven so that's how it's going to be but i believe that younger people i believe that younger people are going to grow up to about that age and that size and then they will stop growing that's that's what i actually believe